Blog Talk Radio. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> okay. All right. brand name, like Pepsi, that's a brand name, I stand behind it, I guarantee it, they know that, even if they don't know me any more than they know the, the, the chairman of General Mills, <laughs> what I'm talking about is, when you chop my dough down, one, two, three, four, five percent, and then you call it Blue Magic, that is trademark infringement, you understand what I'm saying? It's Tell the Truth Tuesday, March 29, 2016. So I'm going to take things a little bit more serious today. And basically, um, the show today is about suicide because I just found out that um, one of, uh, you know, decent pop singer Kalani, she actually attempted suicide, I believe it was yesterday, dating Kyrie Irving. And then she's back with Party Next Door, who is also a musician. And, um, I wanted to talk about that because I'm in a situation right now where I'm getting ready to help a girl do her book. And unfortunately, you know, she went through a dark period in her life as well. And she's only, you know, 22, 23 years old where she felt like she wanted to commit suicide, so on and so forth. And unfortunately, you know, it's, in the black community or Latino community or any minority community, we look at mental health as a stigma and we think that, oh, if you just go to church and you pray on it, that it's going to be okay. And if you just read these self-help books, that it's going to be okay. And a lot of times it's really a chemical issue. And it's it's very odd because I started doing the show the day literally that Robin Williams committed suicide. So I knew that this show was going to be a little bit different because, um, people don't want to talk about it, you know, and then a lot of people don't understand that when you are dealing with someone that's suicidal, that is a mental illness within and of itself. It's just undiagnosed. So I often, you know, tell people all the time, like, I'm not the one that you need to be scared of. I'm diagnosed. I know, you know, what's wrong with me. I know how to cope. I know how to deal with what's going on with me and whether it's depression or, or, or you know, my post-traumatic stress disorder. It's the people that are not diagnosed that you need to be worried about because those are the ones that are crying out for help. They don't have help. They don't have any type of, you know, outlets or people that they can talk to or share these types of things with. And I want you guys to know that there's always a hotline that you can call. You guys Google every goddamn thing else. There are crisis hotlines. That's what they're called if you ever feel like you want to harm yourself or harm others. And that's what we call in the in the psychotherapeutic community, homicidal or suicidal ideations. And unfortunately, um, I wrote about this in my book, Stay in Your Lane, A Diary of a Hot Mess. I wasn't I mean, I've had the thoughts like when things go bad and you just you kind of whisper to yourself, you know, if, if I wasn't here, what would it be like or if I wasn't. But my faith, you know, and the fact that I know, you know what I'm saying, that there's something better out there for me, I would hate to, you know, take myself off earth and then, you know, the higher power that I believe in, it wasn't my time. You understand what I'm saying? And now I have a child, so I would, I would never 
think that, but there are moments where I was, you know, deep down and dark and feeling like I just, I couldn't take any more and I just didn't understand what was going on in life. So whether that's when you're 15, whether that's when you're 25, whether it's when you're 40, it doesn't matter. And those sneaking, you know, pain doesn't usually yell, you know, pain is always whispers. And that's why if you watch a lot of the movies, especially, you know, one of my favorites, uh, Constantine, you'll see that, you know, the reason that they say that suicidal tendencies are demonic is because that's not God's work. So sometimes when you're listening to the whispers, and y'all know what I'm talking about if you are suffering from this, when you listen to the whispers like, you know, you should just go to sleep and you should just, you know, lay down or just take a break or you should just do this, sometimes that's not of God. You understand what I'm saying? If you believe in that sort of thing, sometimes that's the other guy trying to get you to come to his side, and you can't always listen to those voices. You have to know that at some point it's going to get better. You know, we often say that suicide is a cry for help, you know, because I used to think before I got into mental health um, as far as studying it, because, yes, we do have degrees, um, I used to think that, like, oh, if somebody wanted to kill themselves, they would just do it. And it doesn't work that way. Sometimes they will attempt and then people will find them, and maybe that's what they want, but it's definitely still a cry for help. So as I'm sitting having a conversation with a young lady today who everybody – seems to have something to say about her. And I always find myself defending this young lady because I feel like if you haven't sat down with this young woman and spoke to her about why she does the things she does or what happened, there was, there's always a series of events that happen before people just get up and become strippers or before little girls get up and become hoes or before, you know, people start having all these violent tendencies. And that all goes back to mental illness, mental health, you know, being healthy. So, you know, I have issue with people that talk about, you know, women like that, but then they didn't do anything to help women like that. You know, like I can sit here all day till I'm blue in the face and say things about, you know, people like Amber Rose, but at the same time I'm a woman. So I also am going to say about the fact that, okay, we always see her about her mom. What about her dad? So perhaps maybe that's why she thinks that it's okay for her to have been stripping when she was 15 years old and things like that. And these are things that she admitted herself. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to be a stripper and I'm 15 years old. At 15 years old, Jesus, I was trying to figure out how to get money for track sneakers, you know what I mean, and and working a job. So I feel compelled to, as I tell this young lady's story, tell the entire story and about what happened. And, And that's the other thing. People don't just get up and start using drugs. When I met this particular young lady, she didn't drink. She didn't do drugs. None of that. And now she, you know, she's a self-professed, you know, I'm an alcoholic. And I said, but that's pain, you know, and that's what we call self-medicating. So a lot of people, you'll see, like, when they're on drugs, if you ever watch the show Intervention on Annie, um, you will see that there was always, 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 always something that happened that trigger that caused them to go into situations where they drink too much or to go into situations where they felt like it was okay to do heroin. Now, crack is another story because I often wonder, like, how does someone suggest that you smoke crack? Like, (laughs) where y'all, and it's not funny, but I just, I want to know how that happens. Like, do y'all just be chilling and they just feel like, hey, smoke this crack? Like, you know, or was it that you were so high on something before and now you can't afford to do whatever it was that made you high? But you have to understand that when people are getting high, right? That's an actual chemical addiction. That There are actual brain, you know, neurotransmitters and things like that that are formed to make sure that that drug is, is able to be pretty much fiend for. 
You know what I mean? So if there's a deficit if you don't take the drug, which is why heroin, it's not as easy just to get off heroin. That's why they have methadone clinics. That's why they have you have to do that in steps. Your body will reject anything that you put in it aside from the heroin. It's one of those things that actually binds to the cells and that your body reproduces more cells to be able to do more heroin. You know, there's people that have, you know, $1,000 habits a day of heroin. You know, and so a lot of people, I used to not have sympathy for, like, people that tried to commit suicide or things like that until I started doing the research and started saying, like, damn, you know, well, if this happened to me, then maybe, I, you know, I might be on drugs, too. Or if that happened to me, I might be on drugs, too. Very disturbing study just came out two days ago that showed um, that it, it, there's some sort of record 60% of all black females have been molested or sexually abused at one point. And so it begs to differ. It goes back to, you know, the men saying, why are y'all so angry? Well, shit, that, that might be a reason right there because we were violated. Where were your fathers? Where were your mothers? And I, I can't wait to get into this book about a different kind of female that's coming out whose mother has to work all the time because the daddy wasn't shit or because the daddy, you know, wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. So mama had to go to work all the time, leaving you with a babysitter or you with a boyfriend that ended up or girlfriend that ended up putting hands on people, you know. So and a lot of people have to understand that, you know, that's pain. That's you. You just took somebody's innocence. You understand what I'm saying? And and you can't always say, like, oh, my kid is only with family because, you know, we all know somebody that knows somebody that had an uncle that went around touching kids. You understand what I'm saying? Or an auntie that was inappropriate, you know, or drank too much, whatever. There's mental illness in all our families. We are not immune. So I, I feel like with this next book that I'm helping this young lady with, that she's going to get a lot of things out. And I told her, I said, at some point you're going to be very hurt and you may not be able to go on with, you know, writing, but you have to, if you want to get this book out and you want to get awareness out. And I'm very pleased that I just got um, some information that I need today for my nonprofit, which is called the Sherry Foundation. You can hashtag it, the Sherry, S-H-E-R-I. It's named after my mom that will be, you know, doing some help and doing some donating on, on that behalf of on behalf of the foundation because I want the foundation to be set up for kids that are in ongoing outpatient or inpatient treatment that are trying to attend college and either the medications are too much. Some of those medications are not insurance covered and they're a hundred dollars a month. So if you have to choose between spending a hundred dollars a month to be mentally okay or spending a hundred dollars a month to feed yourself or to feed your children, you know, I think that the latter is gonna win. And so now you have people walking around that can't afford the medications that they need just to make them okay to function in daily life. So the issue with suicide is that it's never it's never just like that one thing. You know what I'm saying? It's just I don't know what level of pain that you have to be in to feel that anywhere but earth is better. You understand what I'm saying? And I've been, you know, in some painful situations, and like I said, I felt desperate. I felt, you know, where I began, you know, cutting, which I talk about in my book, Staying Elena Diary of a Hot Mess. And a lot of black girls don't come forward and say that they cut, but I can name to you 10 right now that I know as adolescents that have. And basically people think that self-mutilation is about hurting yourself. It actually doesn't hurt. What it is, is is for me, it used to be, and I did this, you know, in my preteen and my teenage years, um, which is why I wore a lot of long sleeves and so on and so forth and turtlenecks, but basically, and then I started cutting on my legs, but what that does is basically it says, okay, I feel like I'm dying, right? So I'm going to self-mutilate, which cut myself with a razor or with a knife, you know, 
um, so that I can see myself bleed because there's something about that blood that when you see it, you're like, okay, I'm alive, I'm not dead. And it, it, it sounds crazy, but I remember doing it in the bathtub and I remember the water, you know, getting pink and I remember, you know, being able to try to hide the scars and trying to wear watches and bracelets and things like that to cover up what I had done to my arms and then I moved to my legs. And I remember just once everything came out after my parents' divorce and so on and so forth, then I just stopped. You know what I mean? Because at, at that point, and nobody knew I was doing it. It was just like a little dirty secret that I would just have to myself. And so it's easy to take the cutting too far. You understand what I'm saying? I remember, you know, researching that if I cut my arm a certain way that I could bleed out within, you know, 60 seconds and be dead. So, but I never experimented with that because I didn't want to die. I just wanted to make sure I was still alive. And a lot of people don't get that, you know, when people are cutting. We're not cutting. Matter of fact, a lot of times when people are cutting, you don't even know. But, I mean, I, I think that the long sleeves in the summertime should have been a dead giveaway. But, you know what I mean, when your mom is working 3 to 11s and then she's sleeping all day, you know, that's a different kind of, you know, that's not the mom that's out in the club every night. That's the mom that's out there working to put food on the table. So you have a choice. It's like, the, you know, not every mom is a stay-at-home mom. And even the stay-at-home moms, their kids still sometimes end up on drugs or end up on pills that you leave in the medicine cabinet that you don't think that your kids are paying attention to, you know. So... With suicide, though, it's a little bit different. And you have, and I mean, I live in the city of Niagara Falls. I mean, if you really wanted to go there, you would just jump over the falls because then there's no coming back. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, people have jumped over the falls and did not survive. So you have to look at suicide in a very serious manner and to say, like, what is going on in your everyday life that you felt like you needed to commit suicide or that you felt like you needed to overdose on drugs? You know what I mean? Because... They can call it acute opioid fixation, whatever they want to call it, but it's still an overdose. You know, just because you pop pills that are prescribed to you does not mean that you're still not a junkie, does not mean that you are any better than the heroin addict or the crackhead on the street. You pop Xanaxes and 15 other kind of downers, you are no different than the people that sit in the crack houses. And I want a lot of the stay-at-home moms and a lot of, you know, women of color and maybe women not of color to understand that you are no better than anybody on the street doing drugs if you are popping that many pills to get you through the day Maybe you should seek therapy And I don't understand why we attach such a stigma to therapy When most successful people, probably about 98% of them They all have a therapist mm. They all have a therapist They all got a Reiki person They all have, you know, like Ru Russell Simmons He does his own yoga and does his own meditation I can't meditate I got 50 million things going on at one time So I'm not going to be able to do that But what I can do is help people write their story So that some of my pain gets released that way Last night I had a special delivery I went and got um, Pimp um, So that I could start reading that book by Iceberg Slim Because it was important for me when I'm trying to get into character to write someone else's book or to help them edit their book, it's important for me to feel the same pain that they feel. So sometimes because I have not been molested and because I have not, you know, attempted suicide or anything like that, it's hard for me 
to grasp that, but I want to give the best book I can, so I have to research it, just like anything else, just like anybody else. So, you know, some people think that, like, oh, you know, when you ghostwrite a book, I'm just telling their story. No, I'm not telling their story. I'm telling everybody's story, and I want it to be relatable. And I think that once we start understanding mental illness and darkness, like, for example, I have Kurt Cobain's journals. I got it for my birthday last year. Beautiful book. It's like photocopies of some of his writings, but because he's so, so dark, and I'm an empath, I will get sucked into that darkness. Not that it's going to make me any darker than what I already am, but I get sucked into that darkness, and then I'm unable to complete my task for the day. Now, we have a call from the 404. I'm going to go on. Caller from the 404, are you there? Um, yes, Caller I from am. the 404. Hi, how are you? Who am I speaking to? Uh, my name is Rita. I'm doing good. You're doing good? So you're in Atlanta area? Yes, ma'am. And what did you want to Did you want to add on to anything that I just was talking about? I was just listening in. I was just listening in because I'm driving. Oh, okay. You're just listening in? Okay, so you can listen in. Now, do you or anybody that you know have have had any issues with, like, depression or suicide or anything like that? Um, I did have a girlfriend that once had an issue with depression, but it was mm-hmm. more so after having a baby. Right, so that's the postpartum depression, which is very, mm-hmm. very real, and a lot of people don't understand that. Postpartum depression also has another side effect of that, which is called postpartum psychosis, which is what Brooke Shields wrote about when she spoke about wanting to take her baby and throw it into a brick wall. And she got a, yeah, she did. She really wrote that. Um, And she got a lot of flack for that, but that's why they call it postpartum psychosis, where you want to kill anybody and everything. And a lot of people don't understand that depression isn't always just about crying in your room and you can't get up, you know, or wearing all black clothing. You know, depression for me shows up where I'm unable to finish things or I get real, you know, excited and start doing something and then I just leave it, cold turkey, just like that. You know what I mean? So, and and I just start shutting everybody out, you know. So I'm not a real big crybaby, but some people it does show up where they're crying every single day and they're unable to grasp what's going on with life, which is that level of depression, that clinical depression that leads to suicidal tendencies or it leads to, you know, people feeling like, well, I just don't want to be on earth anymore. You know, and I think that in the black community, in the Latino community, there's a stigma that's attached to suicide, mental illness, things of such. We lost a lot of people in 2015 due to suicide, a lot of black people. You know, one of the the founders of um, one of the hair care companies, and then we had a couple actors, and then we had a murder-suicide with um, the one of the girls that was a dancer for uh, Hit the Floor, and then her, her husband killed her, then killed himself. So these are all people, and then people say, well, do you think that there was something wrong? Do you think that they were mentally ill? Of course they were. But people, by the time it gets to this, it's too late. You know what I mean? So I just, I started the Tell the Truth Tuesday show, basically to make sure that people knew 
that there was help out there if you wanted, you know, to harm yourself or to harm others, and that it's okay to talk about it. I don't understand, like, when I sit down with, you know, certain white people or other other races, they have no issue telling me, like, oh, girl, I went to the therapist, and, <laughs> you know, this is what medication I'm on, which I'm not 100% for psychopharmaceuticals, but I feel like in the, in the case of depression, if you need it, you take it, because that's a serotonin or a neurotransmitter issue that's chemical, that has nothing to do with you being able to just go to church and just wholly ghost it out. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know? Now, do you know, and especially in Atlanta area, you guys have a lot of help and a lot of crisis because, I mean, you guys are um, in the place where the Center for Disease Control is. Now, what did you think about the statistic that it just came out that 60% of black girls um, have been molested at some point in their life? I was astonished when I heard those findings. I never would have guessed that. Right, and that's what we know of. So just like people aren't talking about suicide, they're also not talking about, you know, things that are inappropriate. So I don't know if you watch Being Mary Jane, but I remember my aunt made me watch this one episode of it, and I tried to watch it. I can't, girl. It's too too much life, art imitating life. I'm like, Lord. But um, she, her friend committed suicide. You know, she overdosed on pills. You and saw it, that. It was, yeah, it was, so it was very. The way they made it. Just, yes. Just, it, I'm in the medical it was, field. It, it looks exactly like that. Yeah, it was very difficult. It was very and and you know it's funny because we they talk about um, there was a movie back in the day called Sophie's Choice where she committed suicide by pills and what a lot of people don't understand is it's not pretty. It's not beautiful like that. You're vomiting. You actually are choking on your own fluids and that's what happens. So when Mary Jane went in there and she cussed everybody out at the funeral, there was a similar situation like that in my family um, where everybody got cussed out at the funeral. Um, but what ends up happening is is that this is the first time that I think we've seen on black television where they linked the suicide to the fact that she suffered every single day having been an adult, a grown woman, being molested by her mother's husband, which was not her biological father. And I think that people don't understand that, you know, people walk around with all this baggage every single day. And another reason I started Tell the Truth Tuesday, because, you know, I'm a zero F-U-X kind of girl, zero fucks kind of girl. I own it. But at the same time, I do that because if I walk around with the baggage that my ancestors had or that my mother had or that I carry from my divorce or whatever, whatever, somebody would be getting beat up every day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So we as women have to bear the brunt of being mothers, business owners, going to work. And then, it, you know, it finally hit home when a gentleman who said, you know, with the statistics, 60% of black girls have been molested. um, He finally, a gentleman comes out and he says, you know what, maybe this is why they're so angry, you know, because that whole angry black woman syndrome, you know, if you're put in a situation where you're not protected or you're put in a situation where your innocence was taken, what do you think that that's going to do? And so, yeah, maybe sometimes we are angry because we have, we're not built to be out here raising these children on our own. No woman is. We can do it. Make no mistake about it. But that's not what was intended to happen. Just like men are not built to be out there and be compassionate and, and you know what I'm saying, do certain things on their own either. They don't know how. They're not equipped to do certain things, which is why we were supposed to come together as couples, whether it's male on male, female on female, you know what I mean? Male, female, it doesn't matter. We were supposed to be together as couples, as a union, to raise children, to own homes, to do things. Like, you're not going to catch me out there on a John Deere mowing the lawn. I'm just not going to do it. 
I'm not taking out this garbage. Now I'll make you a wonderful cake, some pies. And people have accused me of being a feminist, and I'm not a feminist. I'm a traditionalist. I want men to be men, and I want women to be women. And I want everybody to stop making it seem like it's so okay. Like just being a black woman within and of itself, it's no, it's no harder than waking up having to be a black man. You understand what I'm saying? And I think that they keep trying to come and say that we as black women should, you know, we should be doing this and we should be doing that. But then what should y'all be doing? You understand what I'm saying? Y'all act like we just woke up and said, hey, I want to be a single mom. That never happened. You know, there were, yeah, there were certain issues, you know, and especially like with your friend that you're saying about um, her having a little bit of depression after the baby, you know, if you don't have help. You know what I'm saying? We see all the time, especially in Hillsborough County in Florida, you know, women getting so confused where they're putting their babies in the microwave, literally. You know what I'm saying? They just had an episode on uh, Shameless where Debbie had gone through a manic phase. I don't know if you watch the show, but she's a teen mom. So the baby, you know, wouldn't go to sleep. The baby's, you know, not not eating properly because one of her milk ducts was, was you know, um, clogged. And she ends up falling asleep and dropping the baby on the floor. And, I mean, if, if nobody's ever known that, that's how dead tired she was, being a parent, you know, being paranoid, you know, putting a, a mirror under the baby's mouth to make sure the baby's breathing, you know. Those are things that we go to. And sleep deprivation is definitely another reason that people fall into these categories of being depressed and being, you know what I'm saying, not able to handle everyday life. But I started this show, like I said, Tell the Truth Tuesday. I've had this show for about six months, so I'm glad that you called in. I want you to go back. Now, this is, I think, my 113th episode. Sometimes I'm a little ratchet. Today I wanted to talk about suicide in the light of the situation that happened with the singer Kehlani. Are you familiar with her? Not totally. I heard about it today, so I'm not familiar with her, her music. Yeah. I mean, I'm not either because she's, you know, But I am familiar with the fact of what happened and then, you know, the media getting a hold of everything. And the social media has just turned everybody into a bunch of liars. And and if you're not using social media as a platform to run your business or to get your message across, then really it's it's all for not. It's something that could definitely, you know, so many kids have committed suicide just based off social media posts. That's why I won't allow my son on social media right now. It's not appropriate and it's not the time. He's not even 12 years old yet. But I think that the media influences a lot of people and a lot of things, and it's just I think I take it upon myself to make sure that people also know that just like there's social media, there's crisis center hotlines, there's places that you can go to if you need help that you don't have to pay. You know, and my, my you know, I always tell people, like, I'm diagnosed, so I have post-traumatic stress disorder, and I also have issues with depression every now and again in the light of my, you know, the recent death of my mom, which was a couple years ago, because the way that she went was not, was not natural, I don't think. So um, I have issues with that because I was very close with my mom, and I'm 40 years old. You know, so I think that when I come out and I talk about it, and I'm a very big advocate of mental health, especially in the black community, is because I'm trying to stop us from getting to a place where we're killing ourselves or where we're doing damage to our children or where we're sitting around acting like everything's okay and it's not. You know what I mean? So I feel like if I talk about it, ain't nobody going to say nothing to me. What are they going to say to me? I've been crazy. They knew that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like if I come out and I speak about it, then it will make somebody feel a little bit more comfortable to say, you know what, I have issues too. Sometimes I wake up crying for no reason, you know, or sometimes, you know, I'd be wanting to punch this man through his throat. You know what I mean? It's okay. okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but I don't know why our community doesn't think it's okay. It's taboo. Especially women. 
is taboo. And another thing I would like to piggyback on with that is that a lot of times it's misdiagnosed. Oh, yes. They want to real quick tell you that you're bipolar and you're not. Or that Mm -hmm. you're okay. And then that same patient will come back and have committed suicide because the doctors who assessed this patient said, well, based upon our regimen, this patient is okay. And that's not the Which case. I don't understand because if they're a real psychotherapist, I mean, in the DSM-4, I can find a disorder for every person on on planet Earth, okay? from I mean, they even have PMS in there right now. In the DSM-4 or 5, the, the, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, they have that in there, how we, you know, break down people with psychological issues. So, I mean, if we really, I mean, OCD is in there. There's a ton of things that are in there. So I don't understand how anybody could go to the doctor and them say, oh, you're fine and whatever, whatever. But then, again, that might be the old school thinking. That might be, or you get a doctor that just wants to prescribe you stuff. I have told them, no, I don't want no Xanax. I don't want none of that. I'll be all right. You understand what I'm saying? But then when it gets bad with my, with, you know, with my depression, then it's a situation where I'm like, okay, I know for a fact something's wrong and I'm not functioning. So can you, you know, give me something? But I thank you so much for calling. What was your name again? I'm Rita. Thank you. Rita, make sure if you're not following me on Instagram that you follow me at miss.d.scott. You'll see a whole different side of me. And if you're not, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at DMSST93. We resume shows. We do a Manic Monday show, which I talk about a whole bunch of ratchetness, and I try to keep it serious on Tell the Truth Tuesday about, you know, suicide and mental health in the black community so that nobody can ever say that I didn't do my part to try to get it out there. You understand what I'm saying? So thank you so much for calling from Atlanta, and hopefully we'll hear from you again and keep listening to the show. And I'm sure, I, you know what one of my favorite shows is, is Girl Code 101. That's really probably a testament to the true ratchetness of my behavior. So before you listen to all the shows, listen to Girl Code 101. You're going to be like, oh, my God, my mouth is terrible. So today I'm being real professional. But, yes, I get a little ratchet, and I do try to keep things real for our community. And last night I spoke about the Peter Guns and the Cardi B situation and what I saw in black men when I looked on that stage on Love and Hip Hop, and it was not favorable but thank you so much for calling guys we will hear from you next week thank you for anybody else that called but rita got the time today thank you take care you too honey